Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ty, a mom of two and entrepreneur. Two years ago, I launched Next Chapter Studio, my motherhood photography business. And now I am launching Next Chapter Collective, a sister brand of my original business that is all about building a community for moms in any chapter of their motherhood journey. On this podcast, I will be interviewing other moms every single Tuesday, talking about anything and everything. We are diving into all of it. So join us every Tuesday for Next Chapter, the podcast, and let's get into it. Hello, mamas. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to give you guys an idea of what it is all about. Today's episode, I am interviewing an amazing local mama. Her name is Nicole. She is the mom to three beautiful children, and she comes on the podcast today to share her story of the loss of her second-born baby girl, Etta. She lost her at 36 weeks after a seemingly perfect pregnancy and comes on today to talk to me about her experience with loss, how she honors Etta, and how she has grown from this experience and what her next chapter looks like. I just really want to thank Nicole for her bravery and strength and for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's obviously such a sensitive and heartbreaking topic to talk about, but she was such an open book and provided so much insight into what she has gone through and gives advice to any moms who are going through loss or who have gone through loss. And I just really appreciated her coming on. It was such an amazing, powerful, inspiring episode, and I truly, truly admire her strength and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's obviously a heavy subject, but I really think it is such a great listen and can provide all of us so much insight and strength into what she has gone through and what other moms who have experienced loss have gone through. So thank you guys for listening and uh, let's get into the episode. Nicole, hi. Hi, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being on. So I first want to start just by you telling everyone a little bit about yourself. Your family, your job. Okay. Okay. So I'm Nicole Beecher. I am 37 years old. I grew up in Fort Edward, New York, where Tyler grew up. Um, Small town. Uh, Still live in Glens Falls, so I'm close by. Um, Married Joel, my husband, who was also from Fort Edward, but we didn't get together until after college for both of us. Um, Been married for... Oh my gosh, 2011. So what's the year? 14 years this year, um, which goes by fast because I still feel like I'm 22 years old. (laughs) Um, We have three beautiful children. My oldest, Nora, is 10. My youngest is four, Cal. And that is usually how I describe my children to people. But I do also have our daughter, Etta, who would be five. but I have three beautiful babies. <laughs> I, when I was thinking about this interview and how I wanted to start, I, I wanted, whether you were introducing your babies or not, I wanted to definitely include her as if she were still here because I feel like just from what I see from you and how you honor her, I feel like you try your best to make sure it is known that she whether she is here or set or not, she is still your baby. She is still your second born. Yeah. And so I, I was interested. That was one of my questions for you was when you do introduce your kids or when you do talk about your kids. Yeah. So 
obviously when I first lost her, it was very difficult to, and to try to navigate that conversation. Yeah. Um, especially in my job, seeing, I call on optometrists and I have about 140 different offices that I go to. So when I went back to work, it was very difficult to go in and have that conversation over and over again. But mm-hmm. uh, five years later, I've navigated it a little bit better, although I got teary-eyed. Um, but yes, I do include her because she is my daughter. If she lived a day, a month, a year, five years, and then passed, I would no parent would ever leave that child out when they mm-hmm. talked about their, their children. So um, she's still my daughter, and I do include her. I wear her hand on my uh, around my neck every day. I have her on a ring. Um, I've gotten tattoos for her, but yes, I do always include her. Um, but a couple different ways I say, um, I say I have three children and then I'll say my oldest is 10, my youngest is four. Uh, or I'll say, if I do feel comfortable, I'll say, you know, I have three children. I'm raising two. One I, I did lose. And you do get the, oh, I'm so sorry. And then follow up questions after that. But, um, baby loss is a topic that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, when somebody loses a parent or a grandparent or a sibling or something it's always I'm so sorry for your loss it's and maybe they engage and ask questions and it's not that way with baby loss they it's uh, something nobody wants to talk about and nobody wants to believe happens and unfortunately it happens far too often so um, I just like to keep her memory alive and want to make sure my kids know about her and uh, yeah do you find, um, we'll, we'll backtrack in a second, but do you find um, when everything did happen five years ago, did you find that a lot of people wanted to ask you about it? Did you find there was a lot of hesitation when it came to your friends and, and family? Did you feel like there was some hesitation with, with asking about how you were doing or what happened? So I will say family and and close friends were absolutely wonderful and I'm so fortunate for them yeah um I wouldn't have made it through with without a lot of them so I'm very thankful and I do um I'm thankful for that small town community because I'm fortunate enough to still have my best friends that I had essentially from kindergarten um and then my college girlfriends too that are super close so they were wonderful they probably Googled how to handle <laughs> someone who just lost a child because we were all in childbearing years and it was just very difficult. But they were wonderful resources um, outside of very close friends. Um, no, it was very different. So I had a wonderful experience with my very close friends and then it was very different. So people that were maybe not as close wanted to not talk about it at all or pretend like it um, didn't happen, which is fine. I understand it's very, it's hard to talk about. I didn't hold it against anybody, but um, there were some folks that didn't reach out at all that I expected to hear from, or maybe a year later uh, checking in. in, Yeah. Yeah. So backtracking a little bit to your pregnancy, mm-hmm. how, how was your pregnancy? Bring us through that a little bit. Did you, did you feel like you sure. had a, a, an easy pregnancy, a normal pregnancy leading yeah. up to that? Yeah, so um, I was actually the most healthy with her, which is out of the three pregnancies, which is um, kind of funny, but 
with Nora, I gained 50 pounds. I had high blood pressure. I had thyroid issues. Um, so going, you know, there was a four year difference between those two pregnancies going into it. And I was four years older. Mm -hmm. Um, I suspected I'd have some of that, but was, uh, trying to be much healthier. I only gained like 23 or 24 pounds with her, no blood pressure issues. Um, my thyroid actually was tested every month and came back completely fine. So everything was smooth and wonderful. I, there was no, nothing that we, uh, thought was wrong or anything. So we went through the whole pregnancy completely in bliss and blind. And I just enjoyed it so much. Um, and then I was absolutely blindsided. So I had had an appointment. It was, um, Labor Day weekend. I had had an appointment that Friday before normal check-in 36 week appointment. Everything looked good going to the long weekend. We're busy. We're, you know, hanging out with family. I had dinner at my mom's, uh, for Labor Day the night before took Nora to like the indoor playground at the mall that they still had just was busy and we were getting ready to meet her. She was expecting to come, um, in like three weeks, mm -hmm. two and a half or three weeks. So <clears throat> labor day, again, we were at my mom's, had a barbecue, went home that night. And I vividly remember laying in bed after putting Nora to bed and saying, wow, she's like kicking a ton. Um, she's super active. And I got, I didn't get that particular one on video, but I, was thankful that I got some of the other movements on video throughout the pregnancy. Um, but I laid there and then she started getting hiccups and I was like, okay, well she's had hiccups before, but she's super active. And I was like, oh, I need to go to bed. It's midnight. Like she's not, she's not, you know, stopping moving, go to bed, wake up the next morning, get ready for nor for work and to bring Nora to preschool. Um, rush her there, get back home. And I'm working on my computer at home because I wasn't traveling that far mm -hmm. being that late in the pregnancy. And I realized at about like nine 30 that I hadn't felt her move. So I just was pushing on my stomach, trying to get, did you want me to go into this much detail? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you know, um, the night before when you felt her move a lot, was that normal for her to, to move a lot at nighttime? No. So okay. now that like I really evaluated everything that yeah. was out of the ordinary okay. for her to be that active. Okay. Um, so I push on my stomach, try to get her to move, go to Google. What are the ways to get a child to move? Drink, drink juice, drink something sugary. So I did that. And I remember laying on my chair in my living room, moving all over, could not get her to move. Still had no like idea that stuff like this happened. So I just called the office and said, I think I would like to just come in and get, you know, checked out. I can't get her to move. Um, I know she's bigger and you know, they say, out of they, room. they say you're running out of room. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they let me come in and didn't even bother calling Joel at that point. I just went to the office. Um, and I remember sitting in the waiting room and there, they had like a clock that looked like an old school, like school clock. Mm -hmm. And they made me sit in the waiting room because they were so busy for probably half hour, 45 minutes. And I just sat there with this like heavy, heavy feeling of like, I still can't get her to move. Why is this happening? So we go into, they finally bring me into the room. There's a new tech that I've never met with the, um, her a monitor trying to find it all over my stomach 
can't find it. So then I do start to panic a little bit because when you're that far along, the second they put the wand on your stomach, you, you know. Yeah. And so she, I'm, but still in the back of my head, I'm trying to blame that she's new. She doesn't know what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And finally she finds like a very uh, faint sounding, but very fast heart rate. And I'm like, oh, uh, is that it? Is that it? And she's like, no, unfortunately that's yours. Um, let's just move you over to the ultrasound room. So that's when I texted Joel and said, you need to come. They can't find her heart rate. Just get here. And so he was, that was the shift when you were... Mm -hmm. When I so was like, something is wrong here. Yeah. But still in the back of my mind, it never, it just never crossed my mind that she was gone. Um, so he worked right over here in Hudson Falls. So he was only about 10 minutes away, but mm -hmm. moved me over to the ultrasound room. And I have PTSD because I could never, even for Cal, go back to that room or see that woman's face. Um, and it's not her fault, but her voice, her face gives me PTSD. To that, yeah. To that memory, yeah. So we go in there, and she lays me on the table and puts the, um, whatever it is, the wand on my stomach. And I don't even look at the screen. I'm looking at her, and she just immediately removes it. And the first words out of her mouth were, honey, is your husband on his way? And so I instantly knew, and I fell off the table and was a mess, but um, I later found out that she was not legally allowed to tell me that she was dead, um, that the, a doctor has to. So Dr. Serena Coombs came in and um, like running in and held me and told me. Um, so they let me stay in there as long as I needed to, but um, I was alone, which was very difficult, but Joel did. He when he walked in the front door, he heard me screaming from the front door. Um, so the whole office obviously heard me, which is awful, but um, thank you. Uh, so that is forever ingrained in my head. Um, they walked us out the back stairs, so I wouldn't scare any other pregnant people in the office. Um, and we immediately went over to the hospital, but it was very traumatizing. So, so when you heard that and you went over to the hospital, did they, did they basically tell you what those next steps were going to be? What, what this next? Yeah. So they actually asked me to consider doing a VBAC, which I had had to have a C-section for Nora. Mm -hmm. Um, Glens Falls hospital doesn't do VBACs mm -hmm. and I loved the hospital and my doctor. So I never considered doing one. I was always anticipating getting just a second C-section. Um, so that was also traumatizing. You just told me that my daughter was dead, and then you're asking me to now give vaginal birth mm -hmm. and have to go to Albany for that. And I just instantly said no. And I know that their medical reasons was, hey, let's avoid a second C-section if we can, mm -hmm. um, because if you want future kids and how many you want, the more C-sections, the riskier it is. So, um, but I was, I had no consideration. I said, nope, absolutely not. You I can't even imagine. You just told me right. my daughter died, and I never, in 36 weeks, planned on having a vaginal birth and yeah. prepared myself for it, and now I certainly am not going to go through that. Um, so they did allow me to have a C-section. I did have to wait four hours because I had had a granola bar that morning, and you can't, um, in case you choke on the uh, OR table, they, you can't have food within a certain time frame. So that was at 11 o'clock. I found out she was gone. We walked over to the hospital and I had to sit there till um, like four o'clock she was born. I, they wheeled me down at like 3.30. It was awful. So I just had to sit there for hours knowing she was gone. And I, it was a very strange feeling 
I'm sure other lost moms have felt differently, but I did want her out right away. Like I just mm-hmm. wanted her out of me. Mm-hmm. I felt sick. I felt just this heavy, heavy feeling of like, oh my God, this just happened to me. So yeah, it was. I, I cannot imagine having to sit there for four hours mm-hmm. yeah. after you were told that. Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember those hours. Actually, I do remember one thing that happened, which is very strange. So Nora um, used to have what was called nursemaid's elbow, where the elbow popped out. Happens with young kids before their tendons are like fully um, developed or something. But um, they would pop out all the time when she was like a baby, one, two, three, but hadn't happened in like a year. Mm-hmm. We get a call from her um, preschool, which was across the street from the hospital, that her elbow popped out and that she won't allow anybody else to pop it back in. She wants mom to pop it back oh in. Oh my gosh. So Joel went over across the street while we just found out Etta was dead and we're in the hospital to, to pop Nora's elbow back in, but she wouldn't let Joel do it either. She had to come to the hospital to, and have, to have me do it. And we didn't tell her at the time that Etta was gone, but I had to like compose myself, pop her elbow back in 20 minutes before I went down to the OR oh to have Etta. And they like rushed her back to preschool. Yeah. <clears throat> but besides the elbow, I don't remember anything else that happened um, before I went to the OR. Except for there was a very strange, um, I don't know what I believe in. I was uh, raised Catholic. I'm not supposed to believe in certain things, but I do. And I'm striving to like figure out why. And I want her to be around me. And I've gone to see mediums and things like that to get answers but they had me in a wheelchair to wheel me down to the OR and I looked at the clock which looked exactly like the clock from the office that white and black school clock I I hate looking at them now Mm -hmm. if I see them but it was at 3 30 and I just wanted to see what time it was and as I'm looking at the clock at 3 30 it starts to spin both both um minute hand and hour hand and I said to the nurse I said Christine look at that clock and she's like well, that's weird. I'll have to get maintenance to like fix it. My mom and sister said as soon as I wheeled out of the room, down to the OR, it adjusted and went back to the correct time. I just got full chills. Like there oh was somebody God. telling me I was going to be okay, yeah. that I would have to go through it, but I, I was going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. So after your C-section, what did, what did that look like that, those next couple of days for you and Joel? Uh, terrible. Um, they took her out and my doctor's response was, Nicole, she's beautiful. She's pink. Like she literally looks like she should be breathing right now. Um, some stillborn babies have had passed for a while and maybe they didn't, their mother didn't realize. So they're discolored or their skin, there's um, skin slippage and things like that. But she didn't have any of that. She really was perfect. Um, but I will say that I was afraid, which I wish I could go back, but I was like afraid to see her and hold her. So she was born at four, but I didn't actually hold her for the first time and have her in the room until like 11 o'clock that night, which is like one of my biggest regrets. Um, because I would just never put her down if I could ever get her back. Um, I don't know what I was afraid of. She was already gone. I was afraid to like hurt her body. She was limp and just, I mean, being around a dead body is 
strange. Mm -hmm. So, um, but after I held her, I just love her so much. Um, but they did have to bring her back to, I'm guessing, a morgue, like a cooling room, because they, we didn't have the that cuddle cot that we ended up donating. So um, the next day, we kept bringing her back into the room, though, and I held her as much as I could, and uh, we took pictures, and it was it was a lot. Uh, I mean, there were sections I'm sure I don't remember blurred out. I'm thankful that somebody took my phone and took some pictures. My, I think my sister did, and um, very thankful for those because I'll never have. They're all I have. Yeah. And there was a professional photographer that. Um, there's an organization which I don't know if you know of. Being a photographer, it's called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. It's a nonprofit, and photographers can donate their. I think they donate um, their time, and go and take pictures for our families. Um, and edit the photos and provide them to the families. And I don't even know who the photographer was, somebody locally. But I was fortunate enough to have somebody come and take her pictures. Yeah. Um, and the nurse was very helpful with that and saying, hey, you're going to want these down the road, mm -hmm. and, like ask for permission. But yeah. So uh, while you were in the room with Joel and in the room with Ada, did did you feel like you were looking at the clock waiting just hoping that they weren't saying okay like it's time did you feel like they gave you as much time as you wanted what were when you were going through that those those few dates did you feel i know there's never enough time yeah but but did you did you feel like you just wanted to sit there forever yes and they, I will say, Glens Falls Hospital was wonderful. They gave mm -hmm. me all the time I wanted. Yeah, that's good. Um, they were, because I have heard stories from other lost moms that I've connected with that it was not the case, mm -hmm. that they were pushed out. They had less than 24 hours and just all these devastating things. So they gave us, I, I think we were there at least two or three nights, at least two nights, maybe three nights. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, though, that it's never enough. Um, but the only thing that got me to wake up every morning was Nora. She, mm -hmm. I still needed to go home to parent her. So I'm so thankful uh, that we did have her first. Um, and I'm thankful that the, the funeral home allowed us to go. So in between the days of leaving the hospital and when we had her services, there were a handful of days. I want to say there was maybe four days mm -hmm. and we were able to go to the funeral home every day hold her for as long as we wanted but we'd go for probably about 45 minutes to an hour mm -hmm. hold her and just sit with her um until we had her, her services and then ended up burying her but it was difficult because at the at the end obviously she changed throughout the time mm -hmm. um she didn't change in the hospital that much but she did once she got to the funeral home they um, embalm mm -hmm. her and so that changed her some and then obviously as the days go on they start to deteriorate so that last day that we the day we buried her she um, I have some pictures but she had discoloration and stuff so that was difficult to see I was just gonna say that must have been so hard to see you know to have that moment when you when you first had her in the c-section to them saying she looks beautiful mm -hmm. she's pink and then seeing that you know as those days go on yeah it, it's got to be yeah. ingrained yeah, it is. 
But again, I'm thankful for the pictures because yes. I can see all the details. I yeah. can zoom in for her little nose and her little yeah. fingers and her feet and yeah. everything. So, yeah. But, hey, pictures are uh, very special. Yes, they sure. are. So um, I know you mentioned Nora and obviously being so grateful that you had her as well. She was obviously very young when this all happened. How did you and Joel go about talking to her about Etta and everything that happened? Yeah, it, she was young. She was only four, um, four and a half. And she had, so we lost Etta on September 5th and she started pre-K on September 6th. So it was oh a very difficult time too because she had gone to preschool, but never like a formal school setting. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to explain to her that she, a sister wasn't coming home anymore. So that was very difficult. Yeah. Um, her little brain couldn't comprehend it. We couldn't even comprehend it as adults. Mm -hmm. So um, she, kids are resilient though. Like she would go from asking questions and being sad to immediately, mom, play with me. Let's go do this and giggling and laughing. So I wish adults could act like that because they just are so resilient. But um, she did act out a little bit in school and I'm not sure if it was because that's just her personality and she's very strong willed mm -hmm. or if that was because she was feeling these emotions that she didn't know how to express. express. Yeah. yeah. But she's figured it out now. <laughs> she's still strong willed, but. And do, and do you feel like, um, I know you, I, it seems like you do a very good job with letting your children know, you know, talking about Etta and, and keeping, keeping her, her memory around did you does Nora talk about her does she she does and so this was also a difficult transition with her starting school you get school forms home that say parents siblings animals all those things that mm -hmm. we have to fill out that are just day-to-day -day things but for somebody that has lost a child it's uh, not an easy thing to fill out every year so um we do fill out that she that is her sister uh, because if she's talking about her I don't want some certainly somebody to think she's got an imaginary friend or something so mm -hmm. um we do put etta on all the forms and we we do say uh passed away um but where were we going with oh how how we how she talks about them yeah yeah, yeah. so she she tells her friends and i mean she's in fourth grade now they talk about it um her kindergarten teacher did say when she brought a picture in of her and being a bunch of five-year-olds they were all very curious and um, she had to kind of navigate that, which I've since apologized because I was still in deep grief then. I probably should not have allowed my five-year-old to bring in a picture of her dead sibling, but um, <clears throat> she wanted to, and I didn't want to deter her for, from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be different with Cal because Cal wasn't around when she, and so we've always talked about her, but it won't be like that yeah. so much for him, but... Yeah. Did you, and again, this is obviously a very personal question, so you do not have to answer. I don't open bug. Yeah. Um, did you ever get an answer as to what exactly happened? So no, and um, thank you for asking. I was going to mention that, but we did do a full autopsy. Uh, they offered it at the hospital, and we, we agreed. Um, it took however many weeks to come back, and... I think it was a mistake. My doctor says it was a mistake. They actually sent the autopsy report directly to my house instead of the doctor. So I opened my mail one day, like weeks after losing my child, <clears throat> to 
an autopsy report. That is all medical terms that I don't know how to read, but I'm Googling, frantically reading and Googling every word. Um, But she was perfectly healthy. They had no reason to give us, which I can't decide if I want or not want. Like, do I want that, hey, she had a heart defect and she would have suffered her whole life, so this, you know, I wouldn't have wanted my child to suffer or to have this um, no answer. And I don't know what's easier, but it kills me every day to not know why. Um, I begged my doctor to give me some sort of reason because you can't just go to bed one night with her kicking away and wake up and have her dead. Like, it's just not... There needs to be a reason. Yeah. So all she could give me was that she possibly compressed her cord. There was no knot in it. There wasn't wrapped around her ankle or her neck or anything. But if she compressed her cord, it takes 20 minutes for a baby to compress their cord and they pass away. 20 minutes. So how does a baby compress their cord? So if she was in the middle of the night, I was laying on my side or something, or she she pinched it somehow with her foot or her her body somehow and pinched it enough to not allow <clears throat> 20, minutes. 20 minutes. But also I will say I brought up the kicking and the hiccuping yeah. <clears throat> since I've done research um, that I think was a sign of distress. So I'm wondering if it wasn't just in the middle of the night some, at some point something, something was going on or maybe she was compressing it then. Mm-hmm. But um, hiccups are completely normal. I don't want to scare anybody. Um, I've had hiccups with all three pregnancies. But there is another instance where hiccups can be a sign of distress. If they last, like, a significant amount of time, I certainly didn't know that at the time or was keeping track of how long she was having hiccups for. But that can be a sign of distress. I did not know that. Yep. So, And the frantic kicking, I'm wondering, or a lot of kicking was part of it, too. Maybe out of the ordinary for her. Yeah. Yep. But no, so we never got an answer. I begged for a sign for her forever to give me an answer. She gives me signs all the time, but certainly no, like, definitive answer. I just, I don't know. I want to believe that she maybe was going to suffer somehow, and this was the way to avoid that. Yeah. I'd rather take the suffering on than have her have suffered somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's got to be, it's got to be hard for you to not have that answer. Yeah. And like you said, it's not, it's not that getting an answer would have changed anything, yeah. but I'm sure not knowing exactly what happened. Yeah. Is, to have everything it, be perfect. Yeah. Her look perfect, yeah. her organs be perfect, <clears throat> everything. And if she was born the day before, she would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was your... You know, getting pregnant with Cal. Mm. I actually was listening to a podcast the other day. I was telling you, all I do is listen to podcasts. Yep. Um, I actually was listening to a podcast the other day of a mom who did lose her her first baby, and when she decided to get pregnant with her second, it was it was obviously terrible. To, yeah, yep. I mean, just that experience. Did, did you did you and Joel decide? when you were ready to have Cal did it did you kind of just say if it happens it happens no we decided so they told me because of uh the c-section that I needed I asked my doctor how long I needed to wait I was I thought I was older then but I still was only was I 31 um turning 32 so but I had this urge not 
that I wanted to replace her by any means, but I had an urge that I wanted to be have another baby like mm-hmm. right away. So the doctor said you have to wait at least six months because then that'll be at least a year between your two C-sections. Like you cannot go shorter than a year mm-hmm. for two C-sections because of rupture and things like that. You need to let your body heal. So it had taken like six or seven months to get pregnant for Etta. So at month four, I'm like, well, we might as well start trying because it took a little while with Etta. It'll take a little bit. Not pregnant month four, not pregnant month five. I want to say that that was her looking down on me saying, mom, you're not listening. Um, And then month six, exactly. We got pregnant with Cal. So it was planned. I wanted to be pregnant right away. Um, But it was following the months of losing her, the worst eight months of my entire life. It really was mentally and physically exhausting. I was super healthy with him, mm-hmm. but I mentally was a, an absolute mess. I've never had anxiety. I've never had panic attacks and I'm thankful for that, but I had them during that pregnancy and I didn't know what they were. I, you know, panic attack, you think you're dying. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was, it was awful. Did you, did you feel like you woke up every day and just, not that you were waiting for something to happen, but you were just yeah. on edge? Yeah, constantly. Um, constant. Up until like the 12-week mark, I was like somewhat okay because it's so early. You can't yeah. detect a heart rate on the, you know, from any outside machinery mm-hmm. yet. So I was somewhat okay then. Um, and I was still in super heavy grief for Etta that and I wasn't showing yet or anything. So I wasn't like processing, okay, this is, you know, another baby coming. Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as I could start tracking his heart rate and I did have a uh, Doppler at home, um, which I don't know if was good for my mental health or bad, but I used it 24 seven. Um, I would constantly check his heart rate. I got to a point where my anxiety got so bad that I would bring it to me with me in the car. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the day, I would pull over in a Stewart's parking lot and, lay back in my seat and if I didn't feel him moving for a minute I'd check his heart rate I sh- it was an ongoing joke that I would just show up to labor and delivery if I felt off like I wouldn't even call my office first and yeah. thank goodness they were all wonderful but I was like knock knock I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> check me out and at the end I asked if I could just live there but they said no <laughs> um but it was awful it he from the start was scheduled to come at 37 weeks um, C-section again and then as my anxiety got worse they bumped it up to uh, another week for me Thirty, which 36 weeks was Halloween so she said you don't want a Halloween baby let's do 35 and 6 or no sorry that was 37 weeks they bumped it up to 36 and then my anxiety got so bad that they bumped it up a couple extra days so he ended up being born at 35 weeks 6 days I could not ment- I lost Etta at 36 weeks 1 day I could not mentally get to that 36-1. I just was a mess towards the end. So she finally said, your anxiety is not helping him inside. Let's, he's big enough. You know, we gave him the steroid. We, we knew he was coming early, so we did steroid shots for his lungs. And uh, we knew he was big enough. So they finally agreed 35 and 6, which she had to, get, I think, get special approval for <laughs> Um, in the state of New York, probably hasn't, there was a form I had to sign that I was mentally insane, but, um, he came out screaming and that's all I cared about. And, uh, we got it, uh, got it on video or I think they were live photos, um, where 
Glensville's Hospital started doing like a peekaboo screen in the OR. So mm -hmm. there's a clear plastic screen where you can watch him being born. Um, and we've got a couple live photos of me just screaming, he's crying, he's mm. crying. And that was, cry was probably uh, the best sound. Yep. All yep. you wanted to hear. It was amazing. It was, all the nurses were crying too in the OR and even my doctor, which was awesome because it was so silent just 13 months before. Yeah. So. After you had him while you were there in the hospital when you guys first went home, what were your, where was your head at? What were your emotions? Because it's got to be such a juxtaposition with you being so obviously elated that you have a little baby boy and then did it bring you back to to the experience with Adder? did you ever sit and you know think like I was supposed to be home with her yeah it was <clears throat> it was hard I think the first few weeks were just getting used to having two at home yeah um and you know newborn stage is just exhausting in general but just getting used to that routine I was so in love with him it wasn't even funny I just couldn't you know I couldn't keep my hands off of him um but yeah to carry that it's very difficult and it still is today to describe how every time I look at him he and everybody talks about rainbow babies but he I would have never had children 13 months apart I it took me four years to have my second so I know he would not be here if it, if Etta had lived. Yeah. And it's a very weird thing as a mom because I would want her here so, so much, but I cannot imagine my life without him either. Yeah. Um, that I just look and he's so special. He just, and I'm glad he has, he's here and he's has a life and he brings so much joy to us, but it's a very strange feeling because he wouldn't be here if it weren't for her loss. Yeah, that's got yeah. to be so many emotions yeah. at once yeah it's strange it's... but we're so thankful for him he brings so much joy yeah yeah um i did see a medium who um told me that she's like do you want do you want me to tell you what i'm feeling right now and i said yes i'm paying you 150 dollars for the hour i wanted <laughs> you to tell me, you tell me exactly everything <laughs> you're seeing and she kept zooming in on a picture of cal and she said I know you did not come here expecting to hear this, but Etta and Cal's soul are the same, mm. that she came back through him. And I'm just, I, then I saw another medium who said something different. So I don't, I still don't know what to believe, but I just look at him and I say, do you know Etta? Are you Etta? Like, I was actually going to ask you, do you ever look at him and see her? I, I do. Um, and I, there's, I've done side-by-sides, especially when he was baby, not yeah. so much anymore because I wouldn't know what she would look like now. But yeah. I did a lot of side-by-sides when they were both when she was born and when he was a newborn, and they look, like, identical in certain photos. Really? So, yeah. I mean, I do think him and Nora look pretty close, too. I mean, mm -hmm. she's more the Beecher side where he, I think, looks more like me. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I think she would, out of what it would have been closer to what Cal looks like, but probably a good mix in between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So what are ways that, I know you've done a lot, what are the ways that you have kept her, her memory alive and honored her? So just talking about her, including mm -hmm. her in conversation. Um, I even just this past weekend, I had to uh, go to a conference and gentleman who I haven't seen in years asked me how many children I had. I said three, and 
I can talk through it most of the time, although I've cried today, but most of the time I can talk through it without crying anymore. But just including her, saying her name, um, my tattoos, I'm now addicted and um, Nora keeps saying, mom, you keep getting Etta tattoos. Like, when are you going to get one for us? So, which they, I have plenty of tattoos for them too, but, um, I don't know, just, just talking about her and in, including her and in everything I can. Um, I just love her so much. Around the holidays too, you guys do a tree in honor of her, right? We did. They didn't do it the last couple of years because okay. there was some vandalism down there. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Yes. Yep. So we do the tree. We hang her stocking. Um, we've got some people that send us cards and write to her. Um, I go to visit her at the cemetery and do things like that, which at 30, I'm 37 now, but at 31 years old, uh, to have to put my name on a cemetery headstone was pretty traumatizing too, but um, I've grown up a lot in the last five and a half years, so... I just, uh, my time's gonna come at some point, hopefully a long, long time from now, but that's all prepared. And I just think about her constantly and yeah. What do you feel like has helped you heal in a way? Whether it's, you know, your friends, your family doing, doing things for you, what do you feel like has helped you move forward? Yeah. Um, I, I do think having Cal has helped me. Yeah. Um, again, he is not a replacement for her, but to uh, give myself more love, like to give more love to another baby has been amazing. Yeah. Um, and it has been a distraction because it's very busy, but, um, and just finding myself again. So I've, I'm now done having kids. I made that conclusion probably at least a year or two ago and just finding myself again. Um, I love being a mom, it's the best thing ever, but I was like mom mode and then tragic mom mode for so long that I like lost who Nicole was. Yeah. And so I'm finding that I'm in a, in a spot right now where I'm finding Nicole again mm -hmm. on top of being mom and I enjoy working out and just getting my healthy lifestyle back and just feeling like myself again. So and I like to go out and occasionally have some drinks with have some girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just finding myself again and balancing that mom and Nicole together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel, and this is also personal, um, so you don't have to answer this either. Do you feel like you and your husband handled the grief in different ways do you feel and again this it does have to do with him so I can completely yeah. cut this out if you want me to um but I do I mean at least for my husband and I we handle stressful situations and grief and all that completely different, different. Yep. neither is better or worse but yep. do you feel like you both handled it in different ways very different yes he's a quiet guy in general yeah. he doesn't talk much um and I talk a lot so uh, I talk enough for the two of us, I'm sure. <laughs> but yes, we handled it very differently. He, he doesn't talk very much about her. Um, he would go to the cemetery by himself a lot, quietly, and I know he was grieving differently, um, but I would talk about her every time I could. Mm -hmm. I'd say her name in a room anytime I had a chance to, where he did not. Um, and even 
like just the two of us home alone, he doesn't talk about her very much. Um, which now when we're busy and five years out, it's not like a constant conversation, but I was always the one bringing it up in the early days. Um, but yes, very, very differently. I would go to bereavement meetings at the hospital. Um, he did go one time, but not after that. Um, so yeah, diff very differently. I feel like that has to be normal in a sense yeah. for I think it is for, for two parents to handle it. I mean, even describing you two right now, I have. I mean, Tyler's very similar. So yeah. I think that it's got to be it's got to be hard in a way to not have someone grieve the same way as you, but to also know that they're still there and they're still supporting you is yeah. is obviously important. And I think he felt like I'm sure that he needed to be the protector of the family. Yeah, he had to go yeah. to back to work right away. Yeah. He didn't get a maternity leave like I got. Um, so he went back to a routine where, you know, he had to go to work every day, come home, and we did our normal thing. But, yeah, it was, it was different. Did you find yourself wanting to almost bring her up to, to yeah. talk about her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he would talk about her, but, yeah. again, it was like, I had to pull it out yeah. of him. Yeah. And he has since lost his dad between these five years, too. Mm -hmm. So um, seeing him lose his, his father was very difficult. But grieving the same way, like, doesn't talk about, you know, yeah. much. And that's very different losses, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's just, I think maybe him just in general. He's just a quiet guy. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, just a few more questions. Sure. Um, what would you, what would you say to Ada if, and I know that's a loaded, a loaded question, but what would you, what would you say to her? And obviously we know she's listening to you, but. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking that because yeah. I don't, nobody asks that. So thank you. Um, I just love her so much and I hope that. I'm making her proud and I'm trying to keep her memory alive and do good things um, in her loss. I just, we were able to do a lot of things early on with donating the cuddle cot. Um, but I just, I hope I'm making her proud and that I just hope she knows how much I love her. She does. Yeah. You know she does. I know. And that I hope that she's waiting for me with open arms when it's my time to go when I'm an old lady. <laughs> do you ever find yourself, like, when you're alone or getting ready for bed, do you ever talk to her? Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, especially because I drive a lot, driving in the car yeah, yeah. and things like that. Um, yeah, I do talk to her and just when she gives me the signs, so I see 1111 all the time or 111 all the time. Um, she sends me dimes. And I just hang on to that as being a sign that she's with me and and following me. But and anytime I do, I'm hi baby, I yeah. love you and miss you so much. Yeah. And aside from the dimes as well, the I know you represent her a lot with sunshine, mm -hmm. right? Is yeah. that one of your tattoos? Um, I do have a little sunshine, okay. yes, here. So funny story. The reason that is is because when I was pregnant, we asked Nora what. Uh, we wanted to name her. We hadn't come up with a name yet. And at first she said Taco Bell. Um, and we were laughed and said, because she was obsessed with tacos, we're like, maybe not. Yeah. We can come up with something else. something else. Yeah. 
And then she said Sunshine, and I thought that was super cute. I said, that could be her nickname. Like, mm-hmm. we'll call her Sunshine. I love that. And then she ended up passing. So, uh, yeah, the Sunshine, you are my Sunshine, yeah. anything is associated with her. So, I love that. Yeah. What would you say to any moms, any parents right now that have just gone through what you went through, have just lost a baby, whether it was full term like you did, whether it was yeah. earlier in their pregnancy? What would you say to them? I'm so sorry. Um, It is so difficult to lose a child. Um, I will say that I'm I'm hopefully confident that that is the hardest loss there is. No parent should have to bury their child. Um, That should not go that way. So I am so sorry, and you will get through it. Um, the early days are very, very difficult. You feel super alone. Um, but just know that it is unfortunately very common. Um, stillbirths, one in, one in 160 pregnancies end in stillbirth in the United States, which equates to like 30, almost 30,000, um, deaths in the United States alone each year. And then obviously we all know the one in four, um, end in loss. So it's just, it's so common, but when you're in it and you're in it early on, you think you're the only one. Um, there were people that came out of the woodworks that I've known for years that I had no clue had lost a baby full term. And um, you just, it's something people don't talk about. And I hope that now that we're, you know, more on the social media, you know, we're on the internet all the time sharing our lives, that it becomes less of an awkward conversation and more people can talk about it because I do feel bad for those mothers 50, 60 years ago that, you know, the baby was swooped away. You didn't even get to see, and it was never spoken of again. That's traumatizing even more. So, um, but it's difficult, but you'll, you'll make it through. Um, if you can find resources, do it. Um, my book club book is about going to therapy. I've never done that. I uh, didn't think I needed it, but now that I am five years out, I think it would be beneficial. And and maybe I do try to seek some somebody to talk to um, because it's just a lifelong grief that I'll have to carry. Uh, for me, that saying like misery loves company, I just, I don't want it to happen to anybody else. Um, but there's comfort in knowing that there are others out there. So if you can seek those folks and I have had close relationships and yes, lean on them. Um, I was lucky enough to have somebody come that was about 10 years out to our house within those first few weeks to talk to us, um, about what, like, you know, the next five, 10 years are going to look like. And now that I'm five years out, I can have that conversation with somebody early on. And that is a lot of the time where I, why, I go to those bereavement meetings still. I, I don't go as often as I used to, but I don't need it as much as I used to where I would have to go in that heavy grief. Um, I go, one, to talk about her because I just love talking about her anytime I can, um, but two, to help those folks that are so early and deep in their grief because I feel like I can, I have a little, you know, sight to what's to come. Yeah. But I'm happy to help anybody. I just, I'm so sorry you're on that journey if that is what you're on because it's very difficult but you're not alone that's what I think is amazing about the motherhood community is that 
you feel that you can help others that are going through this because you had people to help you as well. Yep. I think it's just, it's, it's one big circle. And I think that that's so, not that it made it any better, but to have that community of people who went through that and now you can look back five years later and be that for someone else. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. And when you're early on, you don't think that you'll ever get out of that. And the folks tell you, you will. And I'm, I'm, I will say I like see light again and I don't carry that heavy, heavy grief every single day. So it's, it does change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Sure. Um, what does, this is what I am, have been asking everyone at the end. Okay. What does your next chapter look like? What does... Oh, I love that. When it comes to you, your family, just your life, what does your next chapter look like? What do you want it to look like? <clears throat> so I think I a little bit went into it a little while ago. was just finding me again. Yeah. I'm in that chapter right now where I'm, you know, getting into a groove of I've lost weight. I've, I'm exercising now. I'm in like a routine of balancing Nicole and mom and my kids are getting a little bit older where you know they can handle some of their own things I'm I don't have babies anymore so they they are you know parenting is different for them too but I would say just balancing mom and and Nicole and really in getting to like enjoying life and seeing that light at the end of end of a dark tunnel that I can live a full joyful life and know that she's watching over and she's always with us and she'll be there for me when it's my time when I'm old and gray but um yeah that's 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 the next chapter right now and I'm loving it I will say I'm having a great time (laughs) I just want to thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me this is something that's obviously so it's a sensitive topic Mm -hmm. like you said it's not talked about enough and I do feel like a lot of a lot of people are afraid to talk about it, whether they have gone through it or, or not. Um, so I really just want to say thank you for, for coming on. And you are genuinely one of the strongest people I have met. And oh, thank you. you should just be really proud of how you've handled this and how you've honored her and, and the family you that much. you've created. Thank so. you. I've never done anything like this, so it was <laughs> I'm awesome. So glad you did. And thank you for thinking of me, yeah, too. And yeah. if I can help anybody, I... I love to talk about her, and if yeah. I can help anybody else that's in it, that's those are my two yeah. two goals. Is as much as I can talk about her and keep her alive, and if I can help anybody else. So. Are there any um, just to end this out? Are there any like foundations or um, programs or anything that you that you want to kind of like give a shout out to, or you feel like are important or have helped you or could help someone else? So the big one around here is Angel Names. That's a big um, association, and then there is a bereavement group. It, that's part of Glens Falls Hospital. Okay. Um, uh, Healing Hearts is the name, I think. I'll just double check. But um, it's the there's a nurse uh, that heads it that's part of labor and delivery, and she's the um, bereavement nurse as well. And they meet twice a month, um, most months. And I found those to be most helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found, you know, in the early days online you know, Facebook groups and yeah. things like that, um, with moms that had just lost and really clung to that. Yeah. But yeah. All right. All right. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. All right. And that is today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to go follow Next Chapter Collective on Instagram at Next Chapter Collective. 
and head over to the website, thenextchaptercollective.com and check back here for new episodes every Tuesday. Bye guys.